wool harvesting has been an issue for as long as there's been a wool industry. Collecting this great natural renewable fibre has evolved through the ages of mankind and continues to. Years ago, you may remember biological defleecing, which was developed by the CSIRO and used an epidermal growth factor to halt the production of wool for a short period of time. It became commercialised as Bioclip and involved placing a net over the sheep to collect the fleece and then removing the fleece and separating the net from the wool. It worked, but the nets made it labour-intensive. Well, in this episode of The Yarn, we hear about a new development in this area. So welcome to The Yarn. It's a podcast for the wool industry. I'm Marius Cumming. So now a new protein has been found that might help solve part of this issue. As Emily King from Australian Wool Innovation found out when she spoke with General Manager of Research, Jane Littlejohn. Yes, well, the board's just approved um, $1.3 million and they have asked us to come back with, uh, with more proposals about biological defleecing. But in particular, this, this one that they're interested in is um, using Zane protein. So it's a natural protein from corn. Uh, and it's uh, found by the University of Adelaide to cause a uh, weakening of the staple, uh, not in all fibres, but uh, a weakening of, of most of the fibres and to a, such an extent that a mechanical plucking device might be able to, or can, uh, break the fibre and, remove, and mo- remove the fleece. But the important thing about this concept proof of concept is that, sorry, proved concept is that the fleece doesn't need a net. So um, that the key point of difference is that having some broken and some unbroken and some unaffected fibres allows the fleece to stay on the sheep uh, without a net and that's that's revolutionary that does sound quite interesting and like it'd be a real labor saving for growers as well um conservative me will keep saying don't get too excited yet <laughs> um uh because we still have obviously the university still has to to develop some sort of harvesting um some machine or something to break the fibre and and collect the wool, harvest the wool, and uh, so that's still got to come. And also, um, you know, we've still got to think about the labour involved. How do we uh, deliver this drug to or this corn protein to the animal? So uh, certainly, we don't want to create a labour-intensive solution to <laughs> a problem that we have that's got a labour problem in origin. So. Uh, yeah, I'll take that notice on notice, actually, Emily. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, didn't want, to, didn't, didn't want to run away with that, but it does sound quite exciting, Jane. And so we've worked for many, many years, been many years of collaboration with the Uni of Adelaide on things like this. And I understand there was a smaller proof of concept of this technology last year. What were the main outcomes of that project? We um, did a little paddock trial. I think it might have been the year before, actually. But we did a little paddock trial at the crest of the, the board, the AWO board, 
to prove that the wool doesn't fall off in the paddock because that was their main concern. I mean, how can we believe this miraculous thing is going to work? So, um, and we did, there was no loss in kilograms or grams of fleece between, um, you know, after having been treated and in the paddock. So, um, yeah, that's given the board confidence to proceed hmm. with the next stages. And Jane, under that small paddock trial that we did, I read that the sheep treated with this product don't lose their wool out in the paddock under normal grazing conditions for up to 10 weeks. That does seem quite phenomenal. It gives us a fair bit of time to, to interact with that and to get the wool off in a timely fashion. That's what they found. And with all these trials, again, though, evidence is all about can you repeat it? So, yeah, we'll be testing all that again. But very, it's, it's a very promising um, project and somebody asked me is it more promising than the you know what's what's more promising the fly strike or the the biological defleecing and I actually said the biological defleecing is more promising that is good news for some of the challenges of wool harvesting at the moment yeah but yeah as I, I am conservative but fingers crossed and this I must say this is still a high risk project but um when you're dealing with an, a natural protein rather than having to, um, like the cornstarch, rather than having to um, uh, inject a vaccine into something for fly strike, just the regulatory hurdles as well will be hopefully be slightly different as well. What we need is to ensure that the fleece holds on for long enough for the staple to grow that protective few millimetres so that we don't have the problem that's that's been um, in the past, say with previous with Bioclip that needed um, the net to retain the fleece so that we didn't get sunburned. So um, uh, that's the, the most important thing. So as long as it can stay on for, I don't know what, it'd be a week or so, I mm. would say, just to get enough cover, but all these things will be worked out. So I'm sorry I don't have all the detail of that. And I think probably considering the current chill, it'd also be important for hypothermia risk as well and mitigating against that that sounds good so under this new project then so three-year project that we're signing up for with university of adelaide and what type of things are going to be looked at under that well we've got to figure out how the university of adelaide's got to figure out how to get um a maize protein in a in in the right dose as either a feed supplement <clears throat> or an, some sort of oral drench or a, an injectable. Mm -hmm. um, and from your labour saving point of view, it's got to be a one-off, let's just call it shot or dose, or from a feed supplement point of view, maybe it could be over a few days, but again, it's got to be um, in, in, a, in a form that give, delivers the right dose, the sheep are eating it, um, and we can control that dose. It's got to be palatable as well, I suppose. Absolutely. And is part of the project also looking at how we might then harvest that after they've had the protein, or is that a separate thing well, to look at? this is where the board has said, please fast-track this. We want another stream going concurrently, which is the mechanical harvesting. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be all systems go. Wonderful. Now, as part of the project, are we also looking on any potential negative or positive impacts on wool growth, quality, animal health, all those types of things? Yeah, correct. Um, it's, 
it's a no-brainer um, and it's, it can't have any detrimental effects for the wool industry um, uh, on, on any of those aspects and uh, we certainly want no short-term effect, short effects nor any longer-term effects. So we want the next growing cycle to be unaffected by um, any, any natural product that we're giving them. Uh, so you would, well, you know, fingers crossed that um, you know, the, the Uni of Adelaide have certainly researched this protein, um, but we do need to check and provide the, the evidence, research evidence to say it's, it's okay. There's been plenty of discussion all across the industry about shearing, lack of shearers, difficulty of shearing, innovations in shearing, all those sorts of things. And this is but one of a multi-pronged series of R&D and training and et cetera that we're looking at. What are some of the exciting things that you and your team are working on in terms of, um, in terms of that multi-pronged attack and things that are exciting you at the moment? Exciting me. Well, I get excited if we had a product for commercialisation, <laughs> but at the moment it's, it's hard slog and eating away... You know, if, if the if the problems like a, a wheel with lots of spokes, we're just nibbling away at several of the spokes at the at the one time. Um, so, I suppose you know, to have a, a handpiece that's got a a portable handpiece that's got a, an Evo strength motor that we're putting sensors onto that motor. Um, if not, I'd hope to see sensors near the handpiece as well, but certainly sensors on the motor is going to give information for training of shearers, which is um, to do with gear blunting, um, gear sh sharpness, um, tension, uh, tensioning, um, <clears throat> you know, could inform um, uh, training to, for a shearer, a learner to improve their use of the handpiece and the blow pattern. So um, there's that, again, related to shearer training, but also leapfrogging to further um, applications is the wearable muscle sensing system for shearers. I mean, that's just got massive applications. Um, but our focus right now is to get multiple prototypes out there so we can then put them on, on on shearers using different types of machinery and those algorithms learning the different types of machinery so we can test and compare different types of equipment or interventions to see what is doing the best for shearer welfare. But you, know, you, you could then also imagine that um, muscle sensing systems will uh, lead to exoskeletons and thing, you know, futuristic type aids in the shed. Um, and then applying artificial intelligence um, to uh, the wool classing and skirting as well. Um, so uh, that is futuristic, but um, certainly making some progress and some published reports on, on imaging and, and imaging analysis and, and robotic um, skirting. So, um, yeah, I mean, I hope in the future to see a whole variety of... Um, I won't necessarily call them wool sheds, but they might be wool removal locations on a farm. It, and they might have modular systems that come in or the growers owns them and they, they use a, a covered area or protected area and they bring in and, and take out modular systems that perform, perform different functions. Um, or you could have um, contractors that have got these systems 
and various types of systems that can just drive up and, and um, get the job done. Um, so, and then from, you know, from, um, from, and that includes from traditional shearing to some other novel form of, of, of moving the wool that's already been, the staples been broken. So, I, yeah, I think what's exciting is there's no boundaries anymore. You can, um, yeah, you can, I suppose, if you can imagine it, we can probably do it. That is exciting. That is, <laughs> that, that is very exciting, Jane. Uh, now, of course, you are the general manager of research for AWI. And so stepping away a bit from shearing now, just into a general chat, what's exciting you more broadly from the research portfolio at AWI at the moment? <clears throat> Um, the MLP project, so that's the Merino, Life, <laughs> Merino Lifetime Productivity Project. 85% of the data is collected. Now, we are so keen to get into the analysis phase and we're all just busting to see what, you know, I don't know how many tens of thousands of data points is going to reveal. Um, and to do that, uh, the board certainly approved two postdoctoral positions, full-time postdoctoral positions, to do this work now, um, you know that's going to make industry very, very happy to see um, those research questions and the data being analysed and the reports being written. And then, of course, the, the communications and the extension extension messages follow. So that that is good. Um, what else have we got? Fly strike extension. Oh, so we're doing um, a whole series of um, the fly strike workshops. That's taken decades of of AWI funded research and putting them into the practical toolkit that growers really need to um, manage their reliance on mulesing, on chemicals, on labour, on um, just and, and to integrate t t all of the tools in the toolkit. That's what we want to see. No reliance on any single thing. We need the diversity of tools. So that'll be really good. That's all rolling out and, and workshops being developed and piloted. So that's really exciting. Oh, reproduction, when we continue to work with the M in the MLA collaboration on various repro projects. And a lot of those projects have actually come from growers asking the question, which is really nice to see. And that, that comes through the MLA priority setting projects, process. So that's, that's good. And they'll be practical, um, practically applied through extension as well. So they're, they're quite, you know, how do I feed, how do I supplement my, my use? You know, what's, what's best to ensure lamb survival, say during drought, drought conditions or um, how, what value am I going to get out of pregnancy scanning? Or, um, you know, what condition score do I need my use to be joined at? So just really practical questions, so that's great. Um, vertebrate pests in wild dogs, and we continue to support the um, Centre for Invasive Species Solutions. And, and really that, that practical coordinated support from wild dogs and integrated toolkit for rabbits. Uh, so there's some of the focuses. What else, what other areas have we got? Agritech, well, I've covered a little bit of that, but we're, with the ear tags, the AWI smart ear tags, we're, we're trying to look at the pin design because um, we uh, need to spread that weight of the, the tag on that ear, that lovely, soft, gentle little ear <laughs> needs to be protected, so we have to redesign the ear tag. So we're working with abattoir samples at the moment um, with some biological um, engineers. What else have we got? 
going on? Maybe you can remind me because you're pretty familiar with them too. I am quite familiar with all those projects. Um, I think probably some exciting stuff that we should chat about is in the eco-credentials oh, space gosh, as well. Oh, yes. Oh, oh. Too I much mean, going is, on, Jane. This, this is sustainability is should be what everybody, every wool grower reads about, talks about, wants to know about. Um, make sure that you find in Beyond the Bale, you find the, the bits in the marketing section that talk about eco-credentials or what brands want. Um, re- read the bits on carbon. Uh, th- that's what you need to be preparing yourself for. So um, AWI's off-farm research is all about, um, I suppose, promoting and proving our a methodology for um, environmental footprint, uh, the best methodology that puts wool in the best light and I suppose the planet in the best light as well because it's it's just so obvious to most people that synthetic fibres um, should not have a better environmental footprint than wool. <clears throat> so that, that evidence gathering and, and international advocacy continues. Um, but broadening that to uh, more the extended producer responsibility. So how is wool circular? How does it participate in a, in a circular economy, which is what Europe's just so focused about? Um, and then the case studies that prove our environmental stewardship and also uh, moving into the methane work because we know that sheep, um, we know that the world knows that sheep produce methane and wool, wool sheep produce methane and that methane is a short-term greenhouse gas, but we still have the responsibility of doing whatever we can to reduce our emissions. So that's looking at methane mitigating supplements. Uh, So uh, that's certainly with people would be aware of the redis barogopsis, the seaweed work, so um, progressing more information and know-how about using that in grazing wool sheep. Uh, but also we um, certainly want to look at uh, progressing other projects on other types of supplements. Um, biodiversity, proving our credentials in biodiversity and also, of course, the carbon story. So managing the carbon, um, uh, your, your carbon accumulation on farm and what your carbon balance is. Now, some of those projects are with MLA. Uh, so that's really good, um, and uh, but you know Emily's got a, a because they can afford to have a much bigger program of which we we're a smaller part of. So yeah, carbon biodiversity, methane mitigation, case studies, industry level data collection. So we need to prove the I suppose the footprint, the carbon footprint of the Australian wool industry, um, and prove that to an international brand. So hopefully we can pull all of this variety of information together in, uh, and that's marketing's job, <laughs> to, in, a, in what's the story, what's the, 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 the eco story of wool? Uh, because brands and retailers and overseas consumers are asking really hard questions and they're not an ignorant buyer anymore. As always, plenty going on and lots and lots of interesting things. And, of course, that's just a real snippet of what's happening uh, with your team in the research team. And so if people would like more information, definitely check out the most recent issue of Beyond the Bale and feel free to get in contact with us, Jane. I think, um, you know, we always welcome chatting to growers and encourage anyone to give us a call and have a chat. Yeah, so sure. Just 
um, I do run away with things for a while, so, and a bit. It, I, I am a bit enthusiastic, so if you want to get bogged down in an hour's discussion, please ring me. <laughs> but I, I will let you talk as well. <laughs> I won't talk at you. Well, thank you very much, Shane. Thanks for your time. Great to have a chat. Pleasure. Yeah, any time. So much to talk about. <laughs> Thanks. General Manager of Research at Australian Wool Innovation, Jane Littlejohn, and thank you to Emily King for that interview. So as you heard, you can read more about research such as this in the latest edition of Beyond the Bale, which is free to anyone that wants it. Or head to wool.com for more information. You can follow us on Twitter at Wool Innovation, Facebook, Instagram, and keep up to date that way. But for now, from me, Marius Cumming, thanks for having a yarn with us.